We've had many listeners request a Rodeo 101 podcast, so here you go. We had the chance to talk to Jimmy Two right after her win at Tucson to talk about all things rodeoing. These are all questions our listeners have asked, and we hope you enjoy some real insight to the rodeo road. Jimmy is an NFR qualifier and former Rookie of the Year, and Kayla is a Mountain State Circuit finalist who also won Rookie of the Year for her circuit, so you get two different insights to rodeoing. Whether you want to go for the NFR or if you just want to make your circuit finals. This week's episode is brought to you by Gold Buckle Horse Sales. If you haven't heard of Gold Buckle Horse Sales, you will. They are taking the guesswork out of finding the right horse for your program. The Money Barrel has plans to speak with Jimmy again soon about her connection with Gold Buckle Horse Sales, so stay tuned. Visit goldbucklehorsesale.com today. Don't forget to check out our partners at barrelracing.com. Use code MONEYBARREL15 at checkout for your discount. Well, it's been a while, Jimmy, but welcome back. This is The Money Barrel. A couple weeks ago, I made a post on Facebook, and we have a Fraternity Incentive 101 episode and a Producer 101 episode, but we haven't done a So Do You Want a Rodeo type of Rodeo 101 episode. So today, I have Jimmy Two here with me, and that's what we're going to talk about is Rodeo 101. Are you ready for this, Jimmy? (laughs) I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) So... Jimmy obviously has been full-time rodeoing for a couple years. She made the NFR in 2020, Rookie of the Year. And then this year, she's won Denver and Tucson, but she is not rodeoing, quote-unquote. So we're really just going to go through all of our listeners' questions. We had a ton of questions on Facebook, and so we'll just kind of talk about a little bit of everything. What? What is the first thing, like when somebody wants to rodeo, what is the first thing you think of to tell them? Like it's a whole different world in itself. So what's the first thing you think of to tell somebody? I don't even, probably just should ask like, are you sure? Are you crazy? Are you sure you want to live like a corny? No, I'm just kidding. Um, The first thing I would probably do is you have to have a good mentor. You have to have somebody that's been there, done that, knows what they're doing. Um, And you, I mean, that is key. If Mm -hmm. they can guide you and um, help you where to enter, what they think will fit your horses best, um, that's key. You have to have someone in your corner or you just kind of go in blind. Yeah, and I mean, I'll add to that, even just even just asking the girls, like, say you want to start circuit rodeoing, asking the girls that you know have been in the circuit for a long time, like, you're, if you don't know them and you're not friends with them, like, just be brave and go up and talk to them. I think the majority of girls will answer questions. I mean, obviously, I don't recommend asking questions, like, while they're trying to warm up. But just go ask somebody, like, hey, what route do you take to get to Rapid City? Hey, what is this arena like here? You know, just ask the questions. Oh, yeah. I think um, most people are super willing to help, uh, for sure. And I know in my rookie year, I will say I kind of went in a little blind. I had a mentor, but I tried to do it on my own also. And I didn't really even know. This sounds so crazy. I had no idea about like buying my card and in October and entering the October rodeos to set you up for the winter rodeos. I had no idea about Mm -hmm. all of those things. Um, 
So I didn't get into anything until Austin. I won like $700 at Los Fresnos and it got me into Austin. Um, but I, I don't know, like definitely do your research, try to plan better, um, have a plan, have an idea of what your goals are. Um, that's definitely where you should start. And, um, I want to say it takes a team of horses, but it doesn't always, Mm -hmm. but it definitely helps to be, um, on a horse that you're winning at the local jackpots or at bigger jackpots. Um, because I mean, the rodeos are tough. I mean, it takes, it's insane to place at rodeos, let alone place in the top three. It is just a knife fight these days. It's crazy. Yeah, and when I started rodeoing, so my my one rodeo resume, I rodeoed one year. Um, I was thankful to have a horse that took to it. Like, she absolutely loved it. Um, so I won our circuit rookie of the year, and um, Lucy was the horse that I was running on. She won circuit horse of the year, so she made me look like I knew what I was doing, even though I didn't. Um, so like, of course the one year I rodeoed, I was like, oh, this is easy. Like, this isn't hard. Um, fast forward to different horses. It's way more difficult than, (laughs) than that first year led me to believe. Um, but when you started, how did you approach entering? Like, what was your entering strategy? I had no strategy at first. Um, Jackie Yatslaw is who helped me. Um, we kind of wrote a list down, but I was in charge of entering and I cannot tell you the amount of times I missed books or misunderstood how something went. Um, it just, it was very confusing to me because I had never done it before and I didn't, this is when it was all through ProCom. You call, you enter, you ask for your preference, um, so it, it was confusing. And then over the 4th of July, Cassidy Cruz, now Dean, is who I went with. And she entered us. So I didn't have to do it then either. And then um, it, at Casper, Wyoming, I told Jana Bean I was going home. And I was I was done. I won one check over the fourth. Uh, it just wasn't working. And she was like, no, you're not. You're not going home. You're going to call Ann, and Ann's going to enter you the rest of the year. And you're going to do what Ann says. And that's what happened. And Ann has entered me ever since. Okay. So you have – so there are people that can help you enter. Um, if yes. you do, I know en- there's multiple people that do enter girls. Okay. So, you know, for those listening, you, you can go that route. If you want to enter yourself, like I'm, I'm a numbers person and a spreadsheet person. and I just like to do it myself. Um, you know, you have to go through the WPRA portal. You have to watch entries open and then they close X amount of days later. Um, and then isn't there, it's been a while since I've done this, isn't there like a grace period where you can kind of see, it'll show you how many entries or how many people have given preferences yep. so you can change you your can entries about? check preferences on the perfs and the numbers. You can change your preferences and you can draw out during grace period. But I'm the opposite of you. I don't do numbers. I don't do timing or scheduling. So when I say Ann enters me, I get my callbacks and I go where it says because she knows me. I mean, I don't recommend everyone doing that, but she knows me. She knows my horses. She knows what I like to go to and we just communicate well and 
that's how it works. And I know that stresses a lot of people out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's a, that's easier and it just depends. So like there is that option, you know, otherwise you do have to make sure that you don't miss when entries close and I don't really know how it works. Some people say, you know, numbers hit at certain times and, um, you know, based on what preferences you get and it's all random. I, I don't know how any of that works. But, um, you know, you might have to have a plan B or C or D based on how you draw up. And so that's something that, oh, yeah. you know, if people start entering a lot, like you have to realize that your your perfect plan may not work either. So I think that's like the biggest part of rodeoing is being a little bit flexible. Yep, exactly. You kind of have to have a plan A, B, and C and end up choosing maybe a little bit of each route or maybe you get everything on plan A and everything's a perfect world, you know? Yep. When you draw out, you, do you still have to pay entry fees? Like if you draw out in that grace period? Not during grace period. Grace period. Okay. You do not have to pay entries. Um, if you wait until callbacks are out, yes, you do have entries. And um, then you have a turnout fine on top of that. Yeah. So don't forget, if you turn out, you have a fine. If you don't notify them, you have a bigger fine. If you forget to pay your fees on time, you get a fine. So really, you have to be on top of the books or find somebody to do it for you. Because um, like I entered Rapid City and then forgot to press submit on my payment and then got a fine for it. So oh God. there's a lot of fines if you basically don't make your run when you're supposed to. Yes, and if you turn out of a perf non-notified, it's an even bigger fine. So there, there you go. There's, there's some rodeo one hundred and ones. It's a lot of fines. Um, what about? So there's certain number of rodeos to hit to make the finals and such. Um, is there a certain number of rodeos to hit to make the NFR? 25. You have to go to 25 rodeos, and then your max is 100. Okay. Which, proud to say that I've hit the max before. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> but there, there is a max of 100 rodeos, and you can't go over that. You have to start um, unofficially in rodeos if you want to keep entering. Um, but, I mean, it takes a lot of talent to hit 100 rodeos, that's um, for sure. <laughs> that is a lot of rodeos, but that's one thing I've, I've actually wondered about. So, say, you know you're one of these girls like Brittany that has you know five just amazing rodeo horses like she could have the finals made but she's still riding colts and stuff like that so when you start getting close to your limit can you pick what rodeos you want unofficial like the ones that you didn't win money at you can just click like how does that work no you have to unofficial the rodeo before you run oh so like right when you enter you have to unofficial it oh. um but it really, even um, when Brittany goes on her colts and stuff, she gets up to like 90, mm -hmm. 95 or so. It's, I mean, it's really hard to go yeah. to 100 rodeos. Um, you don't, there's not many that actually run out. So if you unofficial it before you run, but then you win money, it doesn't count, right? It doesn't count, but you still get the money. In your bank like account, your, but in not. In your checkbook. Okay, okay. Because yeah. I was like, why it would you? It doesn't count towards standings. Okay. And then the number of rodeos to hit to make circuit finals. When you buy your card, you select one of the 12 circuits. 
If you're a resident of that circuit, your rodeo count is less. So like the mountain states where I'm at, our rodeo count, I think it's 15 for uh, circuit residents and I think like 22, something like that for non-residents. Don't quote me on that. Um, but what is the circuit count for your circuit? I could not tell you. I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> I don't do numbers. That is not my thing. I know. I want to say, isn't it 30% in every circuit? Something they, like I, that. Some... Something to that effect. It's a percent of every circuit's rodeos. Um, that's kind of, I mean, Texas has a ton of rodeos, so the circuit count is kind of higher. And for a non-resident, it's super high. Yep. Um so that's one thing so, for people just to yeah. know is you can you can take any circuit you want and make it yours to aim for circuit finals. But you want to make sure you hit the number of rodeos. I've seen girls multiple times win enough money but not hit that number of rodeos. So then they drop down in the circuit finals list. So that's yeah. something to pay attention to. And then um, one of the questions we had was getting into the winter rodeos. And like you mentioned, when you first bought your card, you weren't sure about that. But most of the winter rodeos aren't based on like a number of rodeos. It's pri prior year standings or like current year standings as of a certain date, right? Yes, most. Um, so rodeos that have qualifications will go off of prior year standings, um, current year standings, WPRA tour, and then circuit. Okay. So, um, and tell us, let's talk a little bit about the tours and how those work because on our other episode, you talked about how you didn't want to miss out on the tour points. And so tell us a little bit about how that works because um, for those listening, you can go for like your circuit finals, you can go for the NFR, but then there's the WPRA tour, there's the tour finales, and there's a couple other standings you can utilize to try to get into these winter rodeos. So how does that work? So I would say, so Emily Beisel takes huge advantage of the opportunity that the WPRA tour gives. It seems like every year she um, chooses and plans to go to WPRA tour rodeos, which um, are smaller rodeos, less added money. Um, there are four, I think. Again, I'm not sure. I have not really focused on the WPRA tour, mm -hmm. but I want to say there is four to five in each circuit. Yep. And they count your X amount of best places in each rodeo. Um, something to that effect. It is a great opportunity, I think. If you aren't wanting to rodeo full time, and you want to go to those smaller tour rodeos and try to be in the top four in the WPRA tour standings while having a child or while your horse was hurt the year before and you want to get back into the top rodeos, mm -hmm. that is such a great opportunity for those girls, for, for anyone. Anyone can take advantage of it. It's awesome. Um, the pro rodeo tour... I, like we said, I was worried about losing tour points, losing the rodeo count. Now this year, there is no rodeo count, but there still is, if you turn out of a tour rodeo that you're entered at, there's still a, a deduction of points. I would have to look at, I think they maybe went down on a, the points a little bit. It's not 50 anymore. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but no rodeo count this year. And I, from what I understand, the tour finale is in Puyallup and then another one in South Dakota. I haven't, or North Dakota. Um, somewhere in the Dakotas, there's a part two of the tour. Okay. I'm going to have to look into that because I don't know that either. So yeah, I mean, those are just different opportunities and it's confusing that they're both called tours, but the WPRA is obviously very specific to, um, getting into winter rodeos and such. And I think it's, I think there's five rodeos per circuit and they're usually smaller. Like mountain States is usually like Burlington and Monta Vista, um, they're, they're the smaller rodeos and then you can earn points at those, but then obviously you can go to the different circuits and then those can help you get into, I think like Kaylee Galino got into Calgary based on that. Oh yeah. Um, yep. I mean, it's a really good opportunity. You just have to utilize it. Um, versus like the pro rodeo tour that, you know, you can qualify for Puyallup go to Puyallup, win $20,000, and, you know, you've seen multiple people, you were, you were one of them, that gives you that really big boost to, you know, either get into the top 20, get into the top 15, um, and so that's why that tour is so important. Yes, exactly, um, but those are definitely, they're the bigger rodeos, more money added, more girls, Yep. Um, I mean, those, the tour rodeos, uh, Yeah, lots of entries, lots of money, um, great rodeos. One of the questions we were asked is, you know, how do you decide what circuit you want to run in or if you should just stick to amateur rodeos? Which is the better option? So that's kind of a confusing question Mm -hmm. because my question to them would be, do you want to have a rookie year or do you just want to fill your permit so you can circuit rodeo and make your circuit finals? Um, my brutally honest answer is I think you should be placing and winning at the amateur rodeos before you step into the pro rodeos. But then again, you don't have to, if you're Mm -hmm. just doing it for experience and you want to go have fun and season your horse either. Um, but you just have to have different expectations, I think, um, if you're not placing at the amateur rodeos and you're wanting to make the circuit finals also, I would probably take a step back and try to reevaluate and see what you could improve on a little bit to maybe bump up and place in the top eight to 10 of your amateur rodeos and then go ahead and fill your permit, buy your card and circuit rodeo. I think that's valuable advice and my little, um, my, my thoughts on that is, you know, one, deciding what circuit you want to run in kind of goes back to what we talked about in, in circuit count. You know, if your goal is to get to circuit finals, then you need to make sure that you can hit your circuit count if you're not picking your home circuit. So, you know, if you live in Texas, but you go to Montana for the summer, then maybe you can hit all those rodeos. But if you don't travel outside of your state, then it's pretty simple to pick your circuit and, you know, just go from there. Um, You know, my, my experience and when I went to go rodeo, like Jimmy won the main rookie of the year. You know, that's, that's everybody in the standings for the year. Um, I knew that I wasn't in a position to go 
outside of my circuit. My goal was just my circuit. Um, I had a full-time job and I had never really rodeoed. So I stuck to my circuit. I only entered the rodeos in my circuit because I only had one horse. So I had to, you know, watch her runs. Um, and that's how I chose it. So I think you just have to decide what your end goal is and then kind of go from there. Um, I didn't really amateur rodeo. And honestly, the reason I started pro rodeoing was a friend of mine told me that like I could go to the jackpots and I would place fifth, but our jackpots only paid four. Like I was one out the majority of the time. And she's like, you should really try to rodeo because um, they pay eight or 10. And so, you know, that, exactly. that, that could yes. give you an option. And so that's how I started rodeoing. And then I did go to some of the amateur rodeos as well. But again, I just had one horse. So I had to pick and choose. And a lot of our amateur rodeos only pay four as well. So thankfully, Lucy like took to rodeo, made me look like I was doing. So I had a really successful year in the circuit. Um, but I also picked the rodeos to enter like I didn't enter Cody I didn't enter Greeley I didn't enter Sheridan and Casper like those really really big ones in our circuit I kind of picked the smaller ones to get used to it you know go to where there's yeah. only 50 60 entries and I don't think people should be ashamed of that no not at all especially just starting I mm -hmm. mean it, just starting or not, you could be on the best horse out there. And if you go to 10 smaller rodeos and win or place at 10 of them, yeah. you're going to win more money than you are at five of the biggest rodeos ever and not placing, you know? Yep. So, I mean, that is a great perspective. If you look at it like that, it doesn't go where it fits you, go where it fits your horse, go mm -hmm. where you have fun and you're comfortable at. Yeah, and, you know, I think a lot of people, and there there are some people that want to enter the big rodeos because, you know, they want to go to Cody. They want to go to Greeley or, you know, they, they want to go to um, Spanish Fork, which is great. But like yes, you said. I think everybody should try to do their bucket list rodeos. Yep. I 100% Thing. I mean, that is key. Those rodeos are amazing. Yeah, go and experience them. But, like, if you want to try to make circuit finals, my a friend of mine kind of joked that it's, like, the duck-off tour, which there's really no thing as a duck-off tour because every pro rodeo is really, really difficult. But, you know, by going to the two to 5,000 added rodeos but winning at them, I was able to make my first circuit finals. I was able to have success. I was able to pay my bills rodeoing that year and not lose a bunch of money. So you might have to like change your thoughts a little bit and you can still be really successful. Yes, exactly. Um, let's see. What is another question? How to prepare horses for rodeo ground versus groom jackpot ground? And how do you, like, as a jockey, prepare for that? I know that's a very loaded question. <laughs> um, okay, can we just preface this with the last year and a half, I truly feel that the committees have really put effort into making the ground better at a, let's say, 95% of the rodeos we go at. Okay, that's good to know. I could be wrong. 
But I feel that Rodeo Ground has improved over the last two years tremendously. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel like that is wrong to say, because if you look at the results, it it shows. I mean, Ogden, they broke the arena record. They ran six teams on a standard. They drug every six. Um, Cheyenne broke the arena record, ran a 16 on a standard at Cheyenne. Yeah. So I I want to say that Rodeo Ground has improved. I will say that there was a ton of instances last year that it was atrocious and very not fun. Mm-hmm. But I don't I don't know that any rodeo tries to make it bad. It's just lack of knowledge, maybe. Mm-hmm. Which is not what the question was. Your horse is either going to like it or not. That's pretty much the fact of it. But if you know that you have to take your horse for the first time to Houston or Cheyenne, those are two examples of you don't understand what it's like to run a horse there unless you do. It's just a different feeling, yep. different ground, different setup. It, it You have to ride differently. You have to, I, I don't want to say more conservative, but you're not going to send your horse over and under whipping to the first, second, and third barrel at Houston. I mean, you really have to help them. You have to stand them up. You have to keep them um, from getting scattery because I mean it's just different. Mm-hmm. It is different. Same with Cheyenne. Yeah, you don't somebody whip in spur me. to third at Cheyenne, even on a rainy <laughs> no, horse. Somebody <laughs> explained Cheyenne to me as it being like kitty litter, and it is. It's yep. just different. Now, mind you, like I said, it was phenomenal last year. Absolutely yeah. phenomenal. But it's still a different feeling, a different type than a jackpot. Yeah, and my thoughts have changed over, I guess, probably the horses that I've rode, but I don't know if you can necessarily prepare your horses for the ground as much as either you need to know if you can help your horse. If you can't help your horse and your horse just does it all for you, but you can't slow him down or anything, like you need to know that because then you're not going to be able to stand him up if it's concrete. Like, yep, don't maybe just Godspeed to you. Yeah, and more than anything, and I learned this lesson the hard way you might just have to turn out. Like, you have to make that decision for your horse, and preparing them for rodeo ground is giving them confidence and you know, no expectations, let them go, feel it out a little bit. But if you know you have a horse that's just gonna run full bore and when they sink in to come around a turn, they're on hard ground and they're gonna fall, you probably should just turn out at the gate and not go. Yeah, yes, it's not worth it unless mm-hmm. you're just wanting the exhibition, I guess. Yeah. But it's definitely not worth it. So I, you know, I don't, I don't know if you can prepare besides take them to slacks, let them see the sights. I think it's more the atmosphere than the ground. Um, and yeah, just realize if you have one that goes full bore, if the ground isn't going to hold it, you need to be able to help them a little bit or you got to turn out. Yep, exactly. Um, and specifically, like, if I know the ground is bad and everyone is saying it is dangerous, it is not good, don't go, it's hard, it's nasty, it's slippery, it's wet, it's, I, I just know in my head, I know what horse to take, mm-hmm. I know 
that I have a horse that can stand up on the highway if we set barrels up out there. And that's who I take. I don't take Stella who's going to go in there and absolutely drag her butt and try as hard as she can because that's not going to fit her. That's setting you and the horse up for failure. Yep. Totally agree. And that's, uh, we talked about it a little bit about Greeley um, last year and you know, there, there was issues, but I was, I was 11th out. I watched Rolo run and I watched Latresa run Vanilla Wafer and both of them yep. made flawless runs. And I was like, they're running. Should I run? But I knew like my horse probably couldn't handle it. And my horse was the first to go down. Um, so hard, hard lesson learned, but now it's just like, even if other people are running, like they know their horse. So, you know, yes. your horse and uh-huh. make those decisions. Well, even so when you look at other horses, I, my go-to is I don't watch if I'm judging the ground, I don't watch horses like Missy and Jessica Routier or Nellie Miller's sister. That's not who I'm going to judge the ground off of yeah. because, yeah, it probably looks absolutely <laughs> phenomenal for them because those are true rodeo horses that just stand up and do their job every single time. I want to watch a horse that um, really, like, uses their self in a different way than those two mares do. Smart. Um, so I'm able to judge what my horse and how they use their self and how it's going to correlate with the ground once it gets to me. Smart, smart. That's a good point. Um, Another question we had is, how do you find places to stay on the road? And like, what do you do when you go down the road when you need a vet or a shoer? Okay, so mostly as far as staying places on the road, um, most rodeo grounds where the rodeo is, they have facilities for you to set up panels or hot wire. Um, that's the route I went my rookie year and in 2019, and um, I just stayed at rodeo grounds. I'm not big at going um, to, like, horse motels or something like mm-hmm. that. I'd rather my horses be outside my trailer where I can keep the light on and my window open at night and know exactly what's happening versus putting them in a stall where I can't see them. I don't, I don't love that situation. So I'd much rather just stay at the rodeo grounds. Um, and most are very accommodating when you're in Utah, there's so many rodeo grounds that stay open in Idaho. And, um, if you're not comfortable doing that, there are many rodeo friends out there that if you just ask around, there are multiple places to stop. Um, but really, just staying at rodeo grounds is what most people do. And it's just kind of like a family of rodeo people caravanning across the states, you know? You're just normally with friends all the time. This episode is brought to our listeners by Goldbuckle Horse Sales. If you're looking to buy or sell a horse, do it with confidence with Goldbuckle Horse Sale. From demos with the best professionals in the industry to their search of service and much more. Each horse consigned through Goldbuckle Horse Sales is professionally videoed and demoed by a Goldbuckle Pro to ensure both buyer and seller are confident in the outcome. Goldbuckle Horse Sales is here to ensure you bid, buy, and sell with confidence with every horse you own. From an unbiased evaluation and impression to advertising, Goldbuckle Horse Sale does it all. 
Visit their website at goldbucklehorsesale.com today to learn more about the program and see their list of Gold Buckle pros like Jimmy, Jordan Briggs, Cassie Mowry, and more. That's goldbucklehorsesale.com. Do you use the hot wire or do you use like the quick pro panels? Um, I used my panels for two years or just my rookie year maybe. Mm-hmm. I use hot wire now. Um, I love my hot wire because you can, when there's room, <laughs> you can make large pins and they have huge areas to walk around and relax and but definitely make sure you turn it on and make sure they're trained to it. Yeah, good point. <laughs> good point. Um, as far as vets and farriers, um, I was pretty pretty dumb my rookie year. As I would not recommend using whoever you find or whoever you find on Facebook to shoe your horses. That's not what I would do unless you have a horse that is super easy has no problems at all easy feet, hard feet, whatever I guess you can use whoever but my recommendation is go ahead and schedule before you leave for the summer and schedule when you can go home to your farrier that knows your horse that is what I would recommend 100% um, just from learning experiences, mm-hmm. that's what I would do. Um, I know not all people can do that. So I would work really hard with somebody maybe that is out there that has a really good farrier that is willing to talk to your farrier at home and know what your horse needs. And, um, I keep sets of shoes that are made for each of my horses and nails with me at all times so if I have a blowout um we can just use the nails that my farrier uses and the shoe that is shaped for their foot already and all we have to do is tink 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 and the shoe's back on yeah I'm much messing up you can do I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's one of the greatest things that I was ever taught to having a spare set of shoes farrier tools even I mean carry a hammer carry nail clinches carry a shoe puller and nails so that way if you find somebody that knows what they're doing like and they don't have their tools you're still good to go and then they don't have to try to do anything else for your horse's foot exactly exactly that is there it's crazy because we had this conversation before we started talking but it from my rookie year to now I would have never thought that Right? I mean, I would have never known that. Obviously, I didn't know that. And now I don't go anywhere without them. Um, vets, again, if you can get to your vet, I highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. If not, I have really grown to like like Dr. Sharp at Idaho Equine. I like Dr. Beck at South Valley in Salt Lake. And I like Dr. Solomon on the road those are my three go-tos and then if you're all the way up in um washington dr joey bergeven is right there in ellensburg so you can have your vets kind of all over the country <laughs> be able to talk you to can. each other you can but again i would recommend either 
being able to split having your vet come out with your people that also use them or going home and guess what you can go home and get your horse's feet done and go to your vet at the same time what a concept there you go there you go um what do you do to keep in uh, a very loaded question as well like sound and healthy on the road like do you give ulcer meds? Do you wrap their legs when you haul? Do you pack feet? Like the type of things that people that may not do because they don't, they're not on the trailer all the time. Like what are some of those extra things you do when you rodeo? Oh gosh. Um, I'm very extensive as far as my trailer care and after post run care. Um, it's a process. I am big on poultice plastic wrap and standing wraps um, after every run. If I'm able, to, if I'm staying the night at the place, I'll ice with ice boots first, and then I'll go ahead and poultice and wrap. Um, I'm very big about packing feet. Again, I learned a lot my rookie year. Their feet are everything. You have to keep their feet happy. And when you get away from Texas or maybe even like Florida area where it's nice pretty sand everywhere and you have warm-up pins and nice places to warm up it's a reality check because all of it it's rocks 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 everywhere warm-up pins full of rocks um maybe you get like a little grass patch so you have to keep their feet happy and pulling any kind of soreness out with like some magic cushion and throwing a diaper on it and wrapping it um Huge key, I always walk my horses to the warm-up pen or across rocks in their soft rides. Um, it may be crazy, even if it's 20 foot, I put the soft rides on and we walk to the warm-up pen and we put them back on to walk to the arena. So let's break um, but, it down even more. So when you're packing feet, you use magic cushion, wrap them with the diaper, keep it overnight, or when you haul. Um, so it depends. I'll either use like magic cushion or Epsom salt, okay. uh, the green jelly stuff or anything to that effect. Um, some stress line products, um, and put a diaper on and leave it on. Okay. Um, and then what and about then, the poultice? How, how do you do that? I do. I use the DAC poultice and I use plastic wrap and just regular standing wraps. Okay. Um, also don't leave on in I mean, for over 24 hours, I don't recommend that. But um, even if you just unwrap it and leave it and you can't wash it right at that moment, just unwrap them to make sure they're not getting too hot. But um, my horse's legs will are always wrapped in the trailer. Um, PHT blankets, any kind of therapy for them that you can afford to do, whatever is in your budget, go ahead and do it. If um, it's not in your budget, there's affordable options from just beginning to all the way. I mean, there's so many different things you can do. You have to be able to pick what you want and what fits each horse you have and um, just what suits them best. As far as you said, like ulcer stuff, mm -hmm. I'm big on my Zestera and gastroplex and whatever keeps their tummies happy it just kind of depends on each horse when i mean i have a ton that i'm running like at jackpots and things and i know each horse reacts differently to each product mm -hmm. so you just have to kind of feel it out and know what your horse likes 
Do you give Lasix? And if you do, do you do electrolytes or anything like when you're running multiple times? I know that stresses a lot of people out when they make so many runs in the summer. Yes, I'm a huge believer in Lasix. I think it's a very cheap insurance policy is what we like to call it. Mm -hmm. Very cheap. Um, I, mine are usually on electrolytes once a day in their feed. Okay. So I don't, I don't really worry about giving Lasix. I mean, I've never had one that won't drink at least one full bucket after their runs. Um, when you just hand it to them and hold it for them. And then when you put them in their pen, they just keep drinking. Um, I am told that on a multiple run day, you just adjust your Lasix and make sure they are well hydrated. Same. That's, that's what I was told. I just always like to ask because there's always, you know, thoughts. There's so many (laughs) different opinions on it. There, there's, I won't ever use Lasix. There's, I use it sometimes, not all the time. Um, it's bad form. It's good for them. I mean, so many different opinions and really, I mean, everyone has their own way and it works for them. And there's definitely more than one way to do things these days. So nobody's opinion is wrong. What do you do for your truck and trailer? And like, what are some travel tips when you're putting so many (laughs) miles on the road? I feel like this is a very ironic question to ask me because we are all aware that I have tire issues on so many different vehicles, trailers, um, anything that I drive, it seems to have a tire issue. (laughs) But um, so on a serious note, I actually carry two spares on me for my trailer at all times. I will have to, I'll have one in the back of my truck and I'll have one mounted. I have an impact. I have a tire ramp and anything you could possibly need to change a tire. Mm-hmm. I could do it with my eyes closed. <laughs> there you go. Um, make sure you have an impact drill. I've been told this for years. Never did it. Never did it. Never did it. And then when I actually needed one, um, Brittany Diaz, thankfully, was there, and they had one, and I said, okay, I'm, like, buying one for my truck, buying one for my trailer. I'm not going to be without one. All right, everyone. Producer Craig here. I'm going to step in for a second. My wife, God bless her soul, is about to launch into a really important topic here, and that is truck and trailer maintenance, and although I think she's the greatest podcast host to ever host a podcast, many of you just heard her call an impact wrench an impact drill. And that should go to show neither her or I is an expert in this field. I believe Kayla does an incredible job of maintaining her truck and trailer. And by that, I mean we pay a qualified professional to maintain our truck and trailer on a routine schedule. Tire rotations, axle and bearing health, lights, welds, batteries, wiring, the list goes on and on. And we haven't even touched on living quarters. Ultimately, what I'm trying to say, Kayla and I aren't professionals. So find yourself one. Maintenance can be expensive, but it can save you much more than money in the long run. Now back to our regularly scheduled podcast. Producer out. Um, Actually, what I would really recommend is going to Hatch Brothers in Nephi, Utah. And it's a semi-truck place and everybody getting their axles straightened before the 4th of July. (laughs) That's what I would recommend. Very specific (laughs) advice. (laughs) Yes, because I did it last summer, and I can't believe what a game changer it was. And 
they can say that they straighten your axles at horse trailer places, but they do not do what this place does. They put you up on like a semi truck mount and they put lasers on it and they literally bend your axles until they are where they need to be. So 10 out of 10 recommend doing that before the summer run. I didn't even know that was a thing to be honest. Yes. And it's only like $250. That is less than one tire. Wow. Yeah, I didn't know. And it's really easy to put 7,500 miles on a trailer if you decide to go rodeo hard in the summer. Yep, exactly. So, yeah, and I I learned the hard way. I've learned a lot about tires the last few years and axles. Um, I just go ahead and I put 18-ply tires on. Those suckers yep. are like $600, but... Now that I went and I got my axles done and I put the 18-ply Bridgestone or Hankooks on there, I mean, it, it makes a huge difference. I know it's a lot of money up front, but it saves you time and it saves you money in the long run. But again, go to Hatch Alignment in Nephi, Utah and spend the $230 and save you thousands. One thing that I found was handy is to make sure you have the proper, like, connections and extension cords for all types of different plugins for your trailer like oh yes you might you know I I didn't know this thankfully Haley was at pink buckle one year and she's like oh I have everyone you could want because you know it was only a 30 amp or only a 50 amp or whatever it was I didn't have the right connectors um nor did I realize that you could buy all the different adapters and stuff so now I have my extension cords with like 10 different adapters. I could plug in anywhere I want. And I think if you travel, that would be a very handy thing to have in your trailer. Yep. And lots of extension cords, um, for sure. Yes. And the, and the big ones. Don't just get the small ones. Like, get the big, legit RV extension cords. Oh, yeah. And your life will be so much easier. <laughs> this is going to be another touchy topic, but everybody asked. So, we're just going to go there. The financial aspect of rodeoing. How do you manage the financial aspect of rodeoing? <laughs> this is a, the, yeah, very <laughs> interesting, touchy top, topic. Um, again, that's why I probably am taking a step back, maybe mm-hmm. not going as hard this year. Um, sponsors are key. If not, budgeting is key. Well, both. Budgeting sponsors you have to know you have to be a realistic and I have my own bank account just for rodeos versus my personal account and there when I started my rookie year I had x amount of dollars in it and if I ran out I went home um no no putting it on a credit card no going into debt I don't think that is smart it's Mm -hmm. not worth it don't do that but no, just know your limits. Know your what you're needing to do. Know what you can spend. Um, it's expensive. It's especially now, especially with fuel prices. Um, if you can get in and split fuel with someone, great. If you can pinch pennies and eat at hospitality instead of going out to eat, highly recommend that. Um, there, there's lots of ways you can save money as far as being able to stay at rodeo grounds, eat hospitality, and not live, like, super wild out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
again, you have to know your limits and know what you're able to afford and know when it's time to finally say, this is not smart. We need to go home. Yeah. And I think everybody's situation is different. Um, you know, like I said, when I circuit rodeoed, it was just me, you know, I had my entry fees, but I always came home generally. And so, and thankfully I was winning. So I was able to make sense. But if I didn't win, I wouldn't be able to go. Um, and I think there's probably far more people that are like that. I think on Ivy's podcast way back when, um, you know, she said that she had like a $50,000 start in like, that is what it took at that time to rodeo for the year. I mean, that that's a lot of money, but like you just, it is expensive. And like you said, you either have to budget or, or have sponsors. Yes. And I mean, yes, realistically, most girls out there, most guys, anyone period to rodeo, you have to be winning to get by. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Nobody hardly makes money until you make the NFR. And when you don't have a good NFR, it's not good. That's not good. Um, that's what people count on. Um, I mean, it's hard to make money. That's why these big incentive races, these all these slot races coming up, those are great options to go to. If you're not ready to jump in and rodeo, go ahead and go to those and start there and run at huge money. Because mm -hmm. going out to rodeo, you have to just love the sport because you're not making tons of money. You're doing it for the love of the sport and because you have a dream and because you have a goal. Agreed. And I totally agree with Ivy. It, I mean, having 50000 to start, you're going to go through it if you're really trying to make the finals. You're going to go through that and just hope you keep winning because you're going to need more than that. Thanks for tuning in. We're so glad to have had Jimmy back and look forward to speaking again soon. Don't forget to check out this week's sponsor, Gold Buckle Horse Sales. Whether you are buying or selling, Gold Buckle Horse Sales will help you find the right match for your program. Visit goldbucklehorsesale.com today to learn more and view their list of Gold Buckle pros in your area. Don't forget to check out The Money Barrel at patreon.com or on the Patreon app. For just $5 a month, the cost of a single exhibition, you can gain access to bonus episodes and more, like an extended episode with Jimmy, where she talks about budgeting for rodeo life, sponsors, social media, and more. All right, everyone, run fast, be safe, and we'll see you soon.